if you always keep that long-term strategy, strategic um, view in mind with anything that you're doing within the business, then you can see whether or not the, the tactics that you're, you're employing will take you towards that strategy or whether they're a distraction away from it. coaching life podcast we're back after a little break during which uh, I released my first book musings on love and the art of being human you can find links to that on my website at philg.com slash books there you go how to get a plug-in if you can't get a plug-in for your own book on your own podcast what's life about eh? okay so to today's guest He's someone who's been coaching and involved in this work for quite a while, around 12 years. Um, and in the interest of transparency, he's someone who's recently started working with me, uh, actually as a client. And whilst I'd seen him around uh, the coaching community, particularly on Facebook, and was already aware of some of his story, as I've got to know him, it's become very clear that he'd make a great guest on this podcast. He's invested significantly in his own training, development, and coaching. He's done a lot of exploration and development of the business aspect of coaching too. And uh, he's got something in the pipeline that will definitely be a benefit to many coaches out there, which I'm hoping we'll talk about a little bit as well. He's got quite a story to tell, a bumpy ride, I think, to say the least. Um, and I know he's very willing to be open and honest, which is exactly what this podcast is all about, showing you, the listener, a real world view of what it's like to live a coaching life. So a very big welcome today uh, to my dear friend, Mr. Pete Bryceland. Hello, Pete. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. So like many others, I'm sure, um, I first came across you um, in a story that Jamie Smart tells. Um, and, you know, we've spoken about this. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you interested in this profession? And then perhaps the series of events that led you up to signing up with, to that program with Jamie? Yeah, sure. Um, that's quite a big question, really, because it spans about 10 years. Yeah. Um, so years ago, I used to work for McDonald's restaurants. Um, it was the longest temporary job I ever had. Um, lasted for about 15 years. Um, and during that time, um, I, was, I was at various stages of restaurant management and did a bunch of things like training and stuff like that. And then when I left McDonald's, I started working... For a friend of mine in his computer shop and I would help them um, repair computers but also works and provide um, technical support for small businesses um, particularly their business clients so what tended to happen was I would go into the business to help fix the computer and I would start talking to the business owner um, or, or whoever was there about their business and how it was running and that sort of thing. And what I quickly noticed was um, something that I had in common with my work at McDonald's, and that was that I really enjoyed 
the the whole idea of coaching and training and that sort of thing. So on that epiphany, I did some coach training, and um, and that really got me started into the whole um, personal development coaching therapeutic um, business. So was that primarily like the a business aspect of coaching that you're interested in as you were going into these businesses or was it more personal than that uh yeah it was mostly talking to them about their business and the structure of their business um and obviously 15 years at mcdonald's you learn a lot about systems and a lot about how how businesses run day to day because every mcdonald's is is essentially a small turnkey business that um employs a very systemized approach if you follow the system, you can't really fail at it. It's only when people decide to sway from the system and they think that um, they know better that things start to go wrong. So typically in a restaurant, when things start to go wrong, it's because either somebody's taking shortcuts or they think they've invented a better way of doing things. Yeah. So, so um, and, and the same with most small businesses. I mean, business is, is actually a very simple premise, um, but it's made complicated by people. So, <laughs> yeah, so, I like so, that. I like that. I've heard it said. I'm not sure who said it originally. I've had a few coaches quote it. But every system is perfect for the results that it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so so um, you know, for me, it was it was the business side of things to begin with. And um, I think my first client came from. Um, I was talking to a, a lady who worked from home. Um, well, she kind of worked part from home and, and, and part at the office. And um, she, she was um, a, a senior executive with a, with a company. And she said, oh, you know, one of my colleagues could really do with some coaching. And, um, and I said, OK, great. And that, that became my first client. And I think at the time, I think that was probably so, so we're looking at 12 years ago now. And, and um, I don't know, I was a bit ballsier there and, and um, I said, yeah, it'd be £75 a session. And she said, yeah, that's no problem. And I thought, wow, maybe I should have asked for more. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and we, did, um, we did four months together and, um, you know, it was very much back then. It was, it was the typical type of um, sort of life coaching model almost. So there was the, you know, the life wheel and looking at the various aspects of her life and then choosing three to work on um you know sort of like business personal um and spiritual or something like that and um so we did that for we did that for four months amazing and, uh, sorry go yeah on. yeah it, well it was it was really good actually and um and that kind of got me my confidence and then um after i'd done the coaching course i started looking in into nlp um and NLP for me, that I think my first exposure to it was um, a Tony Robbins book. And I, and I always kind of like to go to the source of things. So I thought, well, Tony didn't come up with this. So who came up with this? And, um, and started looking at um, Bandler and Grinder. And um, I loved their definition, which was that NLP was the study of the structure of subjective experience. And I really loved that idea that, you know, experience is subjective and it has structure. And if we change the structure, we change experience. So I got really, really interested in NLP and started working, um, started doing NLP courses and really sort of threw myself into, into that wholeheartedly. And that, that formed the basis of my work for 
about the next eight or nine years. So, and I got really good at it, to be fair, as well. There's a little piece in there, actually, I want to just draw out, because you sort of mentioned that you uh, you, you enjoyed um, having those kind of conversations, that you even called them like coaching conversations, you had an interest in that, and you were, as part of your job, your day job, you were going out visiting businesses and having those kind of conversations. And then there's this, like, uh, a sudden jump perhaps to getting your first client i'm sure that misses out a whole lot of stuff I'm, I'm really intrigued about that whether you know these were the conversations initially whether they themselves had any structure um how how do you go from you know turning up on somebody in somebody's business do to do some work on their computer to signing your yeah. first client <laughs> yeah well actually it, it's not that complicated and there wasn't that much of a jump um, essentially, I, I saw the, the computer work as a, as a stopgap um, before I decided to do something proper. Um, and luckily, my, my friend was, was quite happy for me to be um, self-employed, so he would pay me an hourly rate for that. So I was looking at what else would I want to do, and I, and I really noticed that I, I enjoyed doing that bit. So I was talking to my wife. And, um, and she said, well, why don't you train as a coach? So I thought, okay, well, I'll look into it. So the first thing I did was I bought the, um, um, there was a, a coaching book by Curly Martin. I think it was called the Life Coach Handbook or something like that. Oh, yeah, I know that, yeah. And, um, and so I thought, wow, that looks ace. And then I, bought, um, then I bought another coaching book. And then I got a coaching course, um, New Insights Coaching so it was a, a mail order coaching course, um, and that was based on um, a 13-session life coaching cycle. So, so I did that online course. But while I was while I was doing that online course, of course, I'm still going out and fixing computers, and and it literally was just one day I was talking to a lady while I was fixing a computer, and you know she said, oh, you know, because I obviously I was saying what I was up to. And that I was retraining as a coach and, you know, probably looking for, for my first few clients and, and whatnot. And, um, and she said, oh, I've got just the person. And that was it. It was, it was really that simple. It was, it was so uncomplicated. Um, it was just talking to somebody about the benefit of coaching and, and they saw it and recommended somebody. Yeah. Um, and, and that was it. That was my first client. So you sort of touch on a very very important point i think you know i i believe clients are are out there they're all over the place i've i've said before i think on this podcast that my first client to sign up uh, on a three-month package with me i actually physically bumped into her in the street <laughs> and you know i'm not yeah. su- i'm not suggesting that as a strategy but that just kind of proves the point that they, they are everywhere if you're willing to talk about and share with enthusiasm what it is that you're up to yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the enthusiasm and the passion that um, when you talk about it comes through and your certainty about it also helps, um, you, you know, with people making that decision because they can see, OK, here's somebody who's passionate about it. And, you know, that level of certainty allows them to be more trusting. Yeah. But I, I do think and I mean, you know, it has been a... Um, it has been a feature of the last um, 12 years. So it's not all been, you know, just walk out and meet somebody and get a client. You know, I have made it really complicated for myself. So, so, 
so yeah so it's it's not always been that simple um but i think i think what really launched my practice more than anything was um my wife's a nurse and she was um she was she'd started a degree and she and um, part of that degree work she had to have a gp mentor so she had a local um, general practitioner who was um, mentoring her and we went to a party and um, I got talking to him and, and he was like, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I, I work as a coach and, um, and I've studied coaching in NLP. And, um, and we, we just started talking about how useful a coaching approach for things like depression would be because my my thoughts about it I'd suffered with depression previously um, and and in fact that was part of the reason I started looking into um, personal development because I wanted to understand what was going on Um, you know because I didn't I didn't necessarily believe it was just you know my circumstances that were causing it I I thought you know the mind's pretty complicated there must be something else going on (laughs) so so I can't I kind of um, helped myself um, get through depression by by looking at various different approaches, meditation, you know, looking at the more spiritual aspects of things and 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 various other things. Um, but I was talking to this GP and I said it would be really cool if we could get people who were suffering with depression active in their lives rather than being at the effect of everything that was going on, but rather put them where they were more active in creating. And, and that would get them re-engaged and then depression symptoms would probably go. And um, he being a very forward-thinking GP um, said, okay, prove it. <laughs> so, so it's like, oh, here we go. Put your money where your mouth no is. No pressure then, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. So, so he, he kindly arranged for me to work with four of his um, most difficult chronic patients um, the kind of patient that I, I think in GP terms, they call it heart sync. Um, it, it's kind of when they see their name come up on on the computer screen, their hearts sink. Oh. Because they think, oh, you know. Because it's people that normally they can't help because they, they're either sending them to CBT um, or just giving them drugs and sending them away because there's not much else that they're allowed to do with them. So, so he, he gave me four patients and out of the four patients, all four, um, came off medication and did really well. Um, so, so we then contacted the local health service and, um, they agreed to let us do a pilot study for a year. So, so they allowed me to have a further 10 clients. Um, and there was, um, um, we didn't make it easy. They, they set us up with um so they said well how long would it take and i said okay well give me four to six sessions and they were like great okay then so we'll pay you um 50 pound a session um and you know between four and six sessions and then we want facts and figures on how it's going and essentially we we did so well that i ended up doing that for eight years so so because year on year we were just we were just really doing well so um, that was kind of what started to build my practice because I got a reputation of being able to work with stress, anxiety, depression, um, trauma, childhood trauma, um, all sorts of, you know, anything that GPs couldn't really do anything but medicate. 
um, that was psychological, if they didn't think CBT was going to work, they would send them to me and I would use coaching, hypnosis, um, NLP um, approaches um, just to help them come off medication and get back to work and that sort of thing. So Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And so all of that really came about by, again, you talking about it and indeed using like existing connections, i.e. your wife. Um, yeah, so I think that, again, yeah. that's an important point too. Yeah. It can be yeah. right in front of you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and it, it kind of got me thinking that, okay, so GPs, um, typically they're, they're limited to... Um, usually around about seven to 10 minutes for an appointment, which doesn't give them a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so I started, I, I started going to an NLP group um, that, that um, a GP in Shropshire had set up. And um, there was about 12 to 18 GPs at any one time used to go. And, and so I, I would go to that practice group and pretty soon um, I was leading the group, so I was setting the agenda, I was teaching people various techniques and approaches. And basically what I was demonstrating was my expertise in that field. And because I was doing that, what, what was happening was then the natural thing for them to do was to refer patients to me. So if they had patients that they didn't have time to work with, they would refer them to me. Or if they had members of family or if they wanted something themselves. So, so. Um, I quickly became the NLP guy in Shropshire. So if there was, you know, anybody was having any sort of, you know, stress, anxiety, depression sort of symptoms, there was a whole bunch of doctors that would refer them to me as a private patient. So, so again, it was setting myself up as kind of an expert and networking and kind of at a level above the clients that I was looking for. So, so I was actually helping people who who not necessarily needed help because of the the thing that I could treat, but I was helping them to see the effectiveness of what I was doing, mm. and that in turn made them into really good referrers. Uh, again, a beautiful, beautiful thing to bring out because I, I mean, I know it's like you're kind of reminding me here as well that so often I think coaches can focus on connecting directly with clients rather than perhaps people that might refer uh, clients to them yeah yeah I, I think sometimes when we when we try and connect um, say say if we're connecting with somebody as a prospective client we almost jump straight into coaching mode and try and fix them um, or, or tell them that we can really help them but of course they don't know us um, whereas when you build a network of people who know who you are and your approach and they trust that because they've seen it firsthand demonstrated a number of times, it's much more powerful for them to refer yeah. um, because they're in a position of authority anyway or they're trusted by the people that they're going to refer to you. So um, one of the things that happened actually and um, it, I'm sure people in the three principles community won't won't like it when I say this, but when I first got involved in the three principles, it almost killed my practice. <laughs> so it, it was another one of those ups and downs. So so the down was um, I I got a um, 
I, can't, I got kind of conflicted within myself um, because for years I'd been the NLP guy. So I was, you know, respected in, in that approach. And then suddenly I wasn't doing that approach anymore. Yeah. So I had a bit of an identity crisis, but also because I wasn't involved in in doing the NLP practice groups and things like that anymore. Of course, people, you know, pretty soon, if you're not in their attention, they they stop thinking about you so much. So they stop referring. And and so my my practice actually nosedived at um, what we now were 2017. So at the probably the beginning of 2014, being, yeah, beginning to middle of 2014, um, I really struggled. Um, and that was because I, I was kind of transitioning and I couldn't make that link. Um, and I didn't want to throw away the NLP stuff because I knew that it had been effective. Um, and I even knew why it had been effective, which was why I was, I was looking at the three Ps. But I think because I was no longer teaching it, it, it kind of, I, I struggled. So, so when you say you were transitioning, tell us a bit more. Can you tell us a bit more about about that? What, what what you actually mean by that? What were you actually doing instead of going to these, you know, NLP and GP meetings? <laughs> yeah. So, so well, essentially, what happened was, I think I read um, Jamie Smart's Clarity and um, the Inside Out Revolution, uh, Michael Neal's. Yeah. And um, I think I read. I read Supercoach, which was kind of the book before he wrote Inside Out Revolution. So it was kind of hinted at in there. And um, so, so I'd read those and I was doing, um, I was doing a piece of work for the, for the local NHS, um, as it was the Primary Care Trust. Um, I was doing a piece of work for them and um, I'd read this thing in, in um, Inside Out Revolution and I started talking to to, to the client, I was mentoring um, um, uh, an exec who was um, involved in communication, but had a real problem with public speaking. So, so it was kind of a it was kind of a bit debilitating yeah. in terms of uh, being able to do a work. But um, but what happened was um, I I told her this story about thought and um, that I'd read in in Michael Neal's book and. Um, and it was the very first session where we just met each other. So I said, I'm, I'm working on this approach. And um, anyway, she phoned me up about two hours after our session had ended and, and basically was like, you know, what the have you done to me? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I really don't know. It's like she said, well, I've just driven home. And I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of normal. And she said, no, you don't understand. I've been on a motorway and haven't been on a motorway for years. But I drove home on the motorway without really noticing it. And it didn't occur to me to be afraid once. And previously, she'd had to drive like A roads and all sorts, you know, a really convoluted route home. But this time she just got on the motorway and got on with it. And um, and she said, so so if my mind can change like that over that, then the, the speaking is going to be fine <laughs> sort of thing. And I thought, wow, I'm not really sure what I did there because I didn't do anything except tell her a story. And um and she'd obviously had an insight, a massive insight, and, and, you know, really understood the whole, you know, mind, consciousness, thought connection. And, um, and so I thought, wow, this bears further investigation. 
so so that's how I kind of got involved. And then the more I, I looked at the, the, the principles and, and the idea that, you know, it's not technique based and, and that it's I, I kind of knew from from my study with NLP that it wasn't that it was the technique that worked. It was rather that that my clients were seeing things differently. Yeah. And that's what led to the change. And, and I think that's why I really liked um, the three principles. So so as I did more of that, I started doing less of the NLP technique-based things. And then it didn't make sense for me to to be sort of like teaching NLP to the GPs when I wasn't really following that approach. So I was, um, and, and I think the, we'd been doing the NLP group for about, gosh, I don't know, six, seven years at the time. And um, I think we kind of all decided that, um, you know, it was probably a good time for that group to finish anyway. So we stopped doing that group. And that's where, you know, I stopped getting the referrals and that sort of thing. So so everything nosedived from there because I was no longer that NLP guy. Right. All right. So, so and, and that, that was what it was. I mean, I actually, uh, um, since... I've come to terms a lot more with the idea of the NLP because I went back to that original premise of um, it being the study of the structure of subjective experience. And of course, with the principles, we're talking about all experiences subjective because we're creating it through the medium of thought. So the only difference really is that NLP is saying that there's a structure to that experience, i.e. the senses. And if we change the way that we structure experience, it changes experience. Um, but it's a, what I find now is that I can actually bridge really quickly from, okay, so, you know, I do a quick sort of like, if somebody talks about NLP, I say, well, this is, this is what underpins NLP. Mm. So this is the structure behind the structure. And, and then start talking about, you know, we're only ever experiencing thought taking form in the moment. And, um, and point people to that but it's really easy to demonstrate if you know a couple of like little submodality techniques or stuff like that because people get it really quickly yeah, so i found that that's a a lovely link now um and um yeah so how, how do you recover then from from that nosedive um well the first thing i did um was I got back in touch with all the GPs again and I just said like, you know, I think I sent an email, some, something along the lines of, well, yeah. So the first thing that I did was, um, I sent out an email to, um, to about 20 ex clients or people that I've worked with before, um, and all the GPs and, um, I, it, it was entitled blatant bribe. <laughs> So, so I, I had this um, email, it just said blatant bribe, you know, warning blatant bribe, I think it was. Um, and then underneath it said, it, it said, you know, you're receiving this email because we've either done some work together or yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'd like to offer you a blatant bribe. Um, and that is, if you found our work useful in some way, would you be kind enough to, to write a, a short, um, a short tes testimonial? or answer some questions about our working together. So I sent them a little questionnaire. And, and I said, and, and the bribe aspect of it is that for any of you that reply, I will offer you a free 
um, coaching session. Mm. And you can either take that yourself or if there's not anything that you're particularly looking to make a change with or or have a conversation about, um, you're perfectly um, you're perfectly okay to pass it on to somebody else as a gift, a paid for session. So so the session is already paid in full and they can have it. So so it's kind of they, they could gift it to somebody else if they wanted. And and um, and and so suddenly I I had some people interested again. So so I got the testimonials um, and um, yeah made contact and um, and what's occurred to me since in in sort of like the past three or four months has been that um, there's no reason I can't set up um, a new group um, around the principles with the same GPs mm. and use the same. The, the same approach of this is the, the these are the principles behind things like NLP. This is why all those techniques work. This is why you know um, NLP or CBT or hypnosis or any other psychological approach works is because underlying all of this is these principles. And when people start to see things differently and they have an insight for themselves, that's when things start to change. So, so um, I'm currently in, in the process of, of setting up a new group with some of those GPs that I worked with before. Beautiful. You know, so one thing as well that you've mentioned, uh, you mentioned about systems in McDonald's, and I'm sure systems play a big part in the NHS too. Um, mm. So what, what have you really learnt? Because as, as I mentioned in the intro, you've got something in the pipeline around like the business aspect of coaching and the systems around that. So I'm wondering what, what you know, can you share perhaps you know, in brief what, what you've learnt around that from all of your experiences and, and what you're doing with that? Yeah, of course. So, so one of the things that's happened with me is, is um, over the past 12 years, I, I, my business has been up and down like you wouldn't believe. So, uh, I mean, at one point, I was, I was also running a, a company that sold um, juice machines on the internet. And through a, a series of very naive and, and stupid mistakes, I, I managed to end up losing around about £100,000. Um, so, so I was kind of on my knees at one point in terms of that yeah. because... You know, it's not an inconsiderable loss. It's not really like uh, just losing your wallet or something. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, so, so I've had that kind of um, crushing failure along the way, um, as well as the, the the smaller things. But typically, I, I mean, what happened with that business part of it was that um, I wasn't following um, sort of like my own business procedures, as it were. So, so I kind of just went off on one and started doing things that were ill-informed and and didn't really follow you know where my business should have been heading and um, over the years what I've noticed with my with my own coaching practice is is when I get lost in the idea of just being a coach um, or a therapist or or whatever title I give myself um, I forget about the business aspect and the minute I forget about the business aspect of running a coaching and consultancy business um, the business starts to suffer mm. and, and you start to go into, into a cycle of feast and famine. So, so if you haven't got sort of like business systems set up, um, 
you know, for for client acquisition, for getting out and working on the various aspects that help you build that business, um, then what you find is that you work with a bunch of clients and do nothing else. And then when they crap, where do I get my clients from now? You know, and you have to start again. So so one of the things that I've noticed is um, and I think we were talking about this the other day is that um, in my experience, a lot of coaches I talk to, when I ask them, what do you do? They say, I'm a coach. Yeah. And um, I, I've made a distinction of I'm, I run a coaching and consultancy business. <laughs> that is, to me, that is such a powerful distinction. Um, as we discussed, yeah. you know, that, that, you know I, I always say that it's really only self-obsession that keeps us away from all of the clients and success that we want so you know any any subtle distinction like that well, that's quite a blatant one really but any yeah. distinction that helps us perhaps depersonalize something take away our identity um so that we're not so personally wrapped up in it i think is always helpful yeah yeah absolutely and it also focuses your your, your mind on the idea that you're running a business yeah and it isn't just about um it isn't just about the technical aspect of um, of delivery of service. There's all the other aspects that you have to keep in mind too. Mm-hmm. And very often coaches will say, oh, well, I'm no good at the business side of things. Or, and, and of course, that's all crap because, you know, it's not that difficult. I mean, it's not that difficult to fill out a spreadsheet with your accounts on. It's not that difficult to, to fill out a simple CRM um, um, database entry just so that you know um, who your clients are and or p- prospects and when you last spoke to them and what you spoke to them about. It's not that difficult to, to look at your outgoings and understand what you need to be charging in order to make, make it viable. So a lot of coaches I talk to, um, they're like, well, you know, how much do I charge? I, I feel like, you know, um, massage therapists are charging £45 an hour, so shall I start there? But then when you work out what their outgoings are and say their outgoings are like two and a half thousand pounds a month, if you've got to make two and a half thousand pounds a month coaching um, at 45 pound an hour, that's a mm. That's a hell of a lot of clients oh, wow. yeah. and a lot of hours. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, if you look at you yourself as just the coach, you think, oh, well, I could do 20 hours a week coaching. And typically, mm, you know that's a lot of hours coaching for a start and it is quite draining but but also you've got 20 hours of coaching then you've probably got at least half an hour in between um each session so if everything runs to clockwork that's 30 hours and then if you look at you're writing up notes and you know you've got various other other duties to do you're probably looking at a 50 hour week to run a coaching business that way at 45 pound an hour so suddenly it doesn't seem so appealing mm-hmm. you know i was talking to i was talking to somebody a few days ago and, and i said about i said about this idea of of um you know the hours that you work um and and they worked out that they could get more working at asda or walmart for the number of hours that they were working rather than doing their practice so that they so they really needed to look at okay so what are these systems that i need to get in place you know um uh, just simple time management stuff as well. I mean, you were talking about um, you have your um, 
your focuses, don't yeah. you? Yeah, like yeah six my focus sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 again, that's ideal because you can look at okay, I'm spending a, a couple of hours a week on this. I'm spending a couple of hours a week on this. So it might be business admin. It might be writing posts. It might be recording your podcast. Um, you know, four or five hours on your next book, something like that. So when when um, when you talk to coaches, most of them haven't worked for themselves before. So they've come out of employment into self-employment and they don't really know how to set up and structure a business. So one of the things that I'm looking at is is creating um, a program which, which essentially teaches people the business aspect of coaching. So being able to set up the business in a way that they've got like just simple things like an organizational chart so they can see all the different things that need to happen in a business. Um, and by, by helping them set the business up properly, it makes it a more sustainable business. And also when they get busy, if they've already got systems in place, it's really easy to hire somebody like a PA yeah. because you can just give them a, a bunch of stuff that's already mapped out as to how it should be filled out. So you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours training somebody. They can just see straight away that there's a systemized approach and they can pick it up and run with it. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, I love this idea, as you know, actually, uh, because yeah. like you speak to a lot of people who have come out of various coaching training, including some of the major ones. And they're always just you know, some of them are, are amazing coaches, um, you know, really just have the most amazing conversations with them. And yet there is no business aspect there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's such I think it's such an important point that that does seem to be missed or missing um, in a lot of a lot of training out there. So I think it's going to be very, very useful for a lot of people. Yeah, I hope so. And um, I mean, what I'm doing at the moment is is basically before before I put that out is really speaking to coaches um, and understanding what their struggles are where you know where their where their blind spots and weak spots are just so that i can make sure that it does it, it does hit it you know exactly where they need it um a, a lot of the time when you talk to coaches particularly in sort of like the the, the principles community it's almost like um oh well you know as long as i as long as i know where my where my feelings are coming from it'll be fine you know and there's nothing to do but of course, in terms of actual business, there is there are things to do. You know, I mean, if you look at setting up um, any kind of any kind of business, you know, there are specific things to get in place. There are specific ways of of being able to create assets assets for that business. Yeah. You know, because I I don't know about you, but at, at some point I would like to retire. <laughs> <laughs> so. But it'd be nice if I had assets within my business that allowed me to carry on getting paid. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, so and again, thing that you, you're kind of touching on there, Pete, really is, I mean, you mentioned my focus sheet as well. That's how that came about was because I realized that, you know, this, this uh, profession of coaching, there's um, the long game and the, the shorter game. And uh, I was finding that, I was either seemed to be spending all my time on planting seeds that might come to fruition at, at some point in the future and then you know running out of money or I was almost continuously firefighting and only ever working on stuff that might 
give me an immediate turnaround. So how is this fitting into your business and, and within like the, the long-term stuff and the short-term stuff that you're up to? Yeah, so so for me, I, I, I kind of, I like to think of it as um, a strategic approach or a tactical approach. Mm-hmm. So a strategic approach is, is looking at the long game, is looking at, so, so say for instance, um, somebody wants to know how to set up a mailing list. They can get really lost in, in well, why would I have a mailing list and, and how to do it and all the detail and that sort of thing. Or... Um, so, so they look at all the different tactics for setting up a, a mailing list. But the strategic point of a mailing list is so that you can create relationship with your clients. And, and so if you always keep that long-term strategy, strategic um, view in mind with anything that you're doing within the business, then you can see whether or not the, the tactics that you're you're employing will take you towards that strategy or whether they're a distraction away from it. So so I kind of have the, the long game in the back of my mind um, as a, a strategic direction and then the the short term with the tactics and, and see how they fit into that. Beautiful. Oh such an important point there is. Beautiful. Beautiful. So Pete, what are you up to now other than other than this? Who who are you working with? What kind of work are you doing? Is it um continuation of the remedial stuff? Like I say, I see you around the principles community. Can you tell us a little bit more perhaps about the kind of coaching that you're up to now? Yeah, yeah. So um I've got a kind of mixed bag. Um I I I'm working with um a couple of coaches um who who wanted to to sort of like get their practice launched properly and 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 start making money from it so so I'm working with those but I I haven't really worked a lot with coaches because I've kind of steered away from that um, because I think it's important um, for coaches to see that there are real clients out there so so currently I also have um, I'm mentoring um, another exec in the NHS um, and I'm working with um, two clients one who who is struggling with some ptsd um things from from a career in the in the fire service um and somebody else who's been struggling with anxiety and and various issues around that so that's kind of remedial stuff and then um i've got i've got two people that i'm one's a nurse who um basically she wants to be a better version of herself Mm. Uh, which I love the idea of that, that she wants to be a better version of herself. Um, and I keep pointing her back to the fact that she's already that version. And just the fact that she can think there's a better version means that it's there already. Um, so, so I'm working with her and then I'm working with um, a small business owner as well, who um, um, pretty much like coaches really. So he, he, he offers professional services and um, he built up a, a, a really strong business, but, Essentially, he was working like 70 hours a week because he was doing he was doing all of the the professional services work himself, plus all the back office work and accounts and everything else. And and basically just created this like impossible more than full time job for himself. So so we're looking again at the structure of his business and how he can start to leverage the the team that he'd already built up 
So he had five people working with him, um, but he was still doing all the work. Um, so, so I'm working with him as well on on um, sort of like changing the way he does business. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and 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 pretty much that's that's it at the moment. So I've got the mm. the project that I'm working on for um, the business of coaching, um, and then a few other little things around that sort of stuff as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get a little bit more personal, perhaps. Then, but I'm wondering, you know, if you make it a bit more real for us. So, what's either not working, or what is it that you perhaps struggle with yourself? Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> loads of things. <laughs> loads of things. So, so, um, yeah. So, so, what's not working? I suppose one of the things that I've struggled with recently is um, is kind of putting myself on hold. Um, so I've got a lot of really great ideas. And um, in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. And, and really, you know, this is self-coaching uh, when I was talking to them about it. And, um, you know, I used to have a sign in my office and, and I haven't got it there anymore, but I probably need it there again. And it's um, the the last thing I need is the next great big idea, because <laughs> I've got one of these opportunistic minds that that sees an opportunity and thinks, oh, how can I do that? So so I get easily distracted. Um, so so that's one of the things that probably you know is not working for me is this idea that I keep coming up with great ideas and then getting um, almost in a holding pattern of how do I take that forward? Yeah, and that takes me away from from the core of my business. So, so, so there's that aspect of it. I suppose one that, that, um, well, that you've been helping me with is, is, um, is producing, um, articles and posts. Um, and we were talking about this the other day where, where I'd have something come to me and I'd start writing and then, um, I think, oh no, that seems a bit near, you know, close to the, the edge or, a bit edgy or a bit provocative mm. and I would delete it <laughs> and then of course as soon as you delete it you think oh no why have I done that and um, and then all of that valuable insight and ideas are lost um, so now I'm learning not to use the delete button but rather use the save button and come back to it later yeah. Yeah. so so that that that's a big thing for me is is that self-editing um, and that's kind of held me back with a, a number of things. So I'd write something like an email and then I think, oh, no, that's not right and delete it and then not send it. Um, whereas now I'm kind of keeping those things so that I do send those emails. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think there's that. And then there's the um, the, the I suppose. Do you know the big one for me is um, and this might sound weird is um loneliness mm. and um and what i mean by that is obviously i run my own coaching business but there's only me in it yeah so you know you can quickly become quite isolated so so for me it's it's um i mean i've just moved into an office because I've, I've got all this project work that i need to do um and I know that quite quickly I could, you know, almost be trapped in the office and not get out and do anything. Um, 
and and that is sometimes you know where where I think myself and and other coaches might struggle is that we we're almost self isolating. Yeah, it's something I relate to as well because I also live alone. So um, I notice there there are odd occasional days where I don't have any calls, and um, it gets to the evening, and I end up oh, I'll speak to myself just so I can hear a voice. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds pretty yeah. sad, doesn't it? So I'm wondering, okay, so you know, uh what what can we do about that? Like if we ignore the voice of our self-image that is just going to tell us a whole reason why we 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 need to be alone perhaps or why you know we're stuck being alone. If we ignore that voice, what 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 uh what might we do about that? Yeah, well, I I mean, one of one of the things that that you know has been apparent to me for a number of years is is um having a coach hmm. having a coach yourself so so that's why you and i are working together now is yeah. because you know again um there, there's the the aspect of of other human contact where it's not just like me coaching somebody else but rather the the other way around so being able to reflect hmm. um things and and do it in a way that um i don't have to be defensive I mean, I know I don't have to be defensive, but, you know, we all get kind of defensive when we're supposed to be the coach and the expert. So having somebody else that you can be completely open and honest with is really useful. Um, and then I think the the other thing is, is, you know, just actually getting out and talking to people. Mm. You know, um, what, one of the things that, that um, I do occasionally is I'll, I'll join a networking group and um, and it's not even to get business yeah it's for human contact <laughs> so so it is you know sometimes this idea that we can be this self-contained unit and and um and completely independent and you know just become successful but the the truth is and i i remember jamie smart saying this um a while ago actually when he was talking about expanding his business but you know there's there's a, an old saying, um, I think it might be an old African saying, and it's, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, yeah. um, go with others. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, in this, particularly in, in coaching, um, I think if you, if you want to go far, you've got to be able to have people that you connect with so whether it's, you know, um, virtual style connection through Facebook groups and conversations like that or just getting out and talking to people and, and remembering, you know, that we're human beings and, and we thrive on connection. Yeah, beautiful. I mean, and, and, you know, I think nowadays there really isn't any um, great reason why anybody has to feel so alone, of course, because... You know, the technology now allows us to connect with people so easily. I mean, I've got some really wonderful friends within the coaching community that I do call upon, you know, just like, oh, you free for a chat because I feel absolutely shit today. Um, you know, being willing to reach out to people, I think, is, is, is something that's really important. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and do you know something that um, just occurred to me when you were saying that about reaching out to other people in the community um, and this is something that I've noticed is was less prevalent in in the three principles community um, when I first was introduced to it compared to 
say the NLP or the hypnosis communities and, and stuff like that is, is there's less of this idea of competition. Hmm. So, so like if, you know, if you say, for instance, you were struggling with something and, and you reached out in the NLP community, you would probably get flamed. You know, it'd be like, well, why are you even practicing if you don't know that sort of crap? Blimey, you must be useless sort of thing, you know, which is not good for, for um, community and working together. But I think, I think one, one of the things I've really learned um, in the last few years is, is um, that you don't have to be worried about competition, you know. And um, I mean, sometimes I forget and I, I read things and I get insecure and then I realize why I'm insecure. You know, but um, <laughs> but the, the the truth is, there's there's seven billion people on the planet, hmm. you know, and as a as a community, there's a you know there's a few thousand of us who who are familiar with you know the principles or or this kind of work, coaching. So essentially, there's an unlimited amount of work out there, yeah. because that clients are literally everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Um, so, so when we kind of view each other as competition and we get all a bit sort of like insecure about that, um, that very often stops us from talking to people. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, um, you know, that, that when we're, we're just more powerful together, you know, so, so, you know, when we, when we come together in communities and we help each other, it actually advances everybody. Um, you know, it's that rising tide. It raises all ships. So wonderful. Well, Pete, I want to um, I want to honour your time and the time of our listeners. So I've just got uh, a couple of more things to ask you, actually. So I like to ask my guests if you had you know all the coaches in the world in a room um, and you were to deliver a, a thirty second message, what might that be? So all the coaches in the world in a 30-second message. <laughs> wow. Um, well, I guess it would be less than 30 seconds. I think it would just be um, be fearless. Um, you're needed. Get out there and do it. Mm. Yeah. I think that would be it. It would be, you know, yeah. there, there isn't anything else. There's just go out there and, and wake people up to to what you understand because you know the the world needs more people like us awakening people to their own their, their own um ability and power and 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 who they really are so the more people we wake up like that the, the better the world's going to be yeah beautiful i love that and i want to honor you for that as well because i see that in you time and time again so you know i love that about you um so i'm going to include it in this in the notes of course but where can people find you and contact you uh so i'm i'm always on facebook pete bryceland um i've got um my website which is bryceland.co.uk which um i don't think i've updated in in about two years so so, um, but I still give it out because it's it's an easy way for people to contact me. Yeah. Or if they want if they want to email me, um, it's just my name. So it's Pete at Bryceland.co.uk. So brilliant. Thanks yeah. very much, Pete. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank oh, you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. 
Wow, so much for coaches in this episode with Pete. Here's just a few of the many things that stuck out for me. Pete slipped into the conversation almost at the beginning that he started coaching and started talking about it with people because he enjoyed it. And I think that's always a great reason to start to do anything, following your joy. I love how he used his existing connections when he was starting out, even the ones right under his nose. It was his wife being a nurse that led to the connections with doctors and GPs and much of the work that he's done with the NHS here in the UK and I love how he's gone back to those people after his work direction and focus changed he said something worth remembering if we're not in people's attention they don't think about us oh and I also loved how he was so willing to ask for what he wanted when he went back to those people I was quite amused actually at his blatant bribe email it's a trick that many of us miss I think simply being willing to ask for what we want He spoke about the NLP group he started as well, his version of community, which is a word we hear very, very often about in coaching circles. He created that. He created it himself. Uh, So much in this conversation. Systems. Oh, systems. Uh, So important in any business. A lot of the conversation with Pete was business orientated. Um, He's used his previous experience, both with McDonald's and in the NHS, to develop systems that will help coaches avoid the feast and famine that so many seem to experience watch this space and also follow pete for more on that and finally and perhaps most importantly i love how pete spoke about strategic versus tactical keeping in mind your strategic direction to ensure your tactics move you forward in that direction having business focus instead of that self-focus that so many coaches seem to have focusing on running a coaching business rather than focusing on yourself as being a coach so i hope you have enjoyed this as much as i have and that it's been useful it's certainly been useful to me you can help me get this podcast and the wisdom of guests like p into the ears of more coaches by leaving a review on itunes it will take you less than a minute and it will make such a huge difference to getting this out to a wider audience once again thank you for listening looking forward to next time going have fun I wish you much love and joy.